Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Lunk Dow presents interviews with founders. Today's founder, CZ from Binance, and a QA with the 69 CEOs of Lunk Dow. Let's take a listen. Hey everyone, hope you're all doing well. We just uh, we're just on the phone with CZ and he's just setting up his microphone. Okay, everyone, we've been told that CZ is just having a pee break. He needs to empty his bladder, and then we'll begin. Oh, hello, everyone. It's CZ here. How, how does my voice sound? Does it sound okay? Sadly, I'm kind of in the airport being chased down by security at the moment, so uh, I'm not in a great position to chat today. I'm trying to find a spot here without too many like cameras. or uh, We'll see how it goes. Okay, I'm back. Um, CZ, are you with us? Or is your audio working okay? Uh, yeah, hello. It's great to be here. How, how does my voice sound? Does it sound okay? Um, it, it sounds a little bit distorted, but you said you wanted to uh, preserve anonymity, so I understand why, maybe, if that's deliberate. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly what I'm trying to achieve. I want to make sure that I preserve my anonymity in this phone call. Cool. Um, Anyone else is welcome to, to come and speak, but I ask that during the interview section, you do not interrupt, otherwise you will never be allowed to speak again. Um, so please be respectful. Let me and uh, Sefi speak to CZ. That's the arrangement here. And then you can ask questions later on. Now, hold on. Let me put on some, some pleasant piano music to cool my nerves because it's pretty intimidating interviewing the, the manager of a multi-billion dollar exchange. I just can't believe Ivana's here in the audience. The beautiful Ivana, uh, who is the like most hardcore Cadena influencer, is here too. That's a very exciting time. Okay, so to introduce CZ, who is CZ? Uh, Cheng Peng Zhao, aka Charlie Zhao, as he's more colloquially known, was born September 10th, 1977, so he's pretty young, in China's Jiangsu province. In the late 1980s, he moved with his family to Canada when he was 12 years old, settling in Vancouver, British Columbia. His parents were both teachers in China, and his father worked as a university instructor, and he was branded as a pro-bourgeoisie uh, and exiled to rural areas shortly after Zhao's birth. So his, his father was a bit of a rogue, a bit of a revolutionary. Um, in his teenage years, Zhao helped to support his family by working a number of service jobs, including at McDonald's and KFC. Zhao attended McGill University in Montreal, Quebec, where he majored in computer science. And his career after graduating university, Zhao received an internship in Tokyo working for a subcontractor of the Tokyo Stock Exchange, developing software for matching trade orders. He then worked full time for four years for Bloomberg Tradebook 
where he was a developer for futures trading software, learning his skills, I guess. In 2005, he moved to Shanghai, where he founded Fusion Systems, a trading system for brokers uh, known for some of the fastest high-frequency trading systems for brokers. So we're seeing how his story is building and how he learned everything he needed for Binance. Beginning in 2013, he worked for various cryptocurrency projects, including blockchain.info, and also served briefly as the chief technology officer of KubeCoin, sorry, of OKCoin. In 2014, he sold his Shanghai apartment for $1 million US to use his money for Bitcoin. And after launching the cryptocurrency exchange in 2017, Binance was able to raise $15 million in an initial coin offering, an ICO, and the exchange started trading 11 days later, so very quick. In less than eight months, Zhao grew Binance into the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, so he moves quickly by trading volume as of 2018. Zhao also launched the blockchain network Binance Smart Chain that has made significant contributions to the development of decentralized finance as an industry. In 2018, Forbes magazine placed him third on the list of their richest people in cryptocurrency with an estimated worth of 1.2 billion. This is in 2018, so imagine how wealthy he is now, right? In 2019, Zhao launched Binance's US affiliate, Binance.us, and in 2022, Zhao invested $500 million, half a billion dollars through Binance uh, to acquire Twitter by Elon Musk. The deal fell through, obviously, later on, but he was up for it. Cool. So welcome, CZ. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks. Thank you very much for inviting me onto uh, your Twitter space. Right. So we know you're a busy guy. Um, we know you do a lot of things. We know that 24-7 uh, around the clock, people are screaming at you tagging you on Twitter saying, CZ, can you list this coin? Can you list that coin? Can you implement the burn? Can you do all these things? We understand completely that you're under a huge amount of pressure and we don't want to waste any of your time. So why don't we dive in and ask the, the relevant questions here for the community? Um, let's, let's rewind maybe uh, six months time. So how much did you know about Luna and UST prior to the crash? We imagine that Binance did quite a lot of research being an investor in Luna uh, before the crash, but how much research had you personally done? How much did you personally know? Okay, so that, the first thing I want to say is that I, I removed my lawyer from the room. So I will speak plainly and I will tell you the truth about what is going on. So the first thing to know is the first thing I heard about Luna was that we are going to list it. I never heard about Luna before that day. I was in the car wash, getting my car clean with my Starbucks, and someone phoned and said, CZ, can I list Luna? And I said, yes, that's it. I didn't know anything about Luna apart from that. Mm -hmm. uh, to clarify, is, is going to the car wash with the Starbucks something you do frequently, or was it something you chose to do deliberately on that day to avoid responsibility? Well, I, I do it every day. It's part of my routine. I like to keep my cars clean. I have five. So I spend maybe two to three hours getting my cars clean every day. Okay. Um, did you know anything about how UST worked as a decentralized stablecoin? Did you understand the algorithmic mechanisms? Um, because your own stablecoin is obviously fiat-backed with fiat collateral, and you listed uh, pairs for USDT and USDC throughout your whole exchange. Did you think that UST was maybe the same kind of stablecoin, or did you have advanced knowledge that it had quite a precarious algorithmic mechanism? Well, I knew that the Binance coin, the BNB coin, and also BUSD is much more safe than UST. 
uh, UST is one of the shit coins. Uh, it was in the shit coin list that was given to me, you know. Sometimes we like to list a coin because it is on the shit coin list because mm. it's going to pump. And then we're going to use that to get more volume on Binance. So there are certain coins you list because of fundamental quality, but there are other coins you list uh, simply because they produce a lot of volume and you can capture that volatility with your fees. Is that correct? Yes. We run a lot of market making bots and we like to watch and wait to liquidate people as well. So it's very profitable to run this on uh, the Binance uh, centralized exchange. Hmm. Just to be hypothetical, I'm not accusing you of anything, but would you say there was a direct incentive for you to depeg and destabilize UST, given that it threatened uh, the, the, the predominance of um, BUSD as a major stablecoin? Yes, that is correct. Okay, thank you for, for clearing that up. So uh, let's take ourselves back now to maybe May 5th, 6th, 7th. Um, what went through your mind as you saw the terror collapse unfold, as you saw UST DPEG? Were you paying attention or were you at your computer at that time? Like, what were your first thoughts when you first saw that this stable coin that was meant to be $1, that many investors on your exchange had, um, had bought and had bought through your, your, your program claiming stable yields and full backing? What were your first thoughts when you realized that this, this apparently stable coin was becoming highly unstable so i was at starbucks getting my coffee for the day and i got a text saying ust has gone to shit and he just said fuck 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 and so i went back to my car and i drove i drove uh, but i did not go to the car wash that was my plan but i didn't go to the car wash i went straight home and then i saw big red candles big ones and I said, fuck, shit, fuck. Right. And, and you were saying shit because the loss of your initial investment exceeded the gain you might make through trading fees. Is that correct? Yeah. Now, now we're losing money. Now we're losing money. So I phoned that dickhead, Doquan. I phoned him and I said, listen, get over. Go, get over here. We're having a meeting with no phone. No phone meeting. Get in my office now. So that's interesting. So uh, many people thought that after many people thought that after the DPEG of UST, the delisting and the relisting was down to Do Kwon trying to persuade you. But you're saying here that you were the one who contacted Do Kwon, right? Yeah, that little shit. He's losing me money, and now I have to skip my car wash for the day. I didn't even drink my coffee from Starbucks, and now I have to deal with red candle. Right. So let's let's try and uh, picture you here. So you go to Starbucks, uh, looking forward to a really nice coffee, and looking forward to cleaning your car and enjoying your time and having a nice coffee in the car wash with the the water spraying down on your car. Just a very relaxing kind of sensory rich environment to be in. But then at that point, when you're driving into the car wash, just about to go into it, suddenly you get the call. A nightmare scenario has unfolded, and you have to cancel everything. You throw your coffee out of the window, uh, you throw away the ticket you bought for the car wash, and you start driving home. Now, now, how did you feel emotionally at that point? Well, I'm very angry. I'm driving like a pissed off teenager. 
and I'm crashing into things. I don't stop at red lights. I'm very angry because it ruined my day. And I like my schedule and my day. It has to be the same every day. Otherwise, I get upset. Hmm, that's interesting. Have you have you been formally diagnosed with with OCD, or do you think this is a form of autism, or is it just uh, maybe your unique personality as an Asian man? I never heard of that in my life. I've never been accused of being autistic before, but maybe you're right. Do you ha- just just to dig into this a little bit? Do you have any other things which uh, you need to maintain order and organization with, like um, maybe when you you cook? Uh, do you need to arrange your plate in a certain way? Um, is there anything else like that? Well, I like to count the number of red cars that I see when I'm driving home, and I like to memorize their number plates, and then I write them down in my journal when I get back in the house. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, as a psychotherapist, I can tell you that those traits are particularly common in severely autistic people. Now, let's let's take a little bit of a jump back here. Um, so you called up uh, Do Kwan, the little shit, and you asked to speak with him. Can you tell us what unfolded when he landed at your local airport and met you? Um, what was the conversation like in person? You spoke for him to him for, I think, uh, at least on Twitter, the, the rumor is going around that you spoke to him for about two or three hours. Maybe you could speak a little bit about what that conversation constituted, what the emotions were, who was doing the majority of the questions. Um, like Because obviously, whoever asked the questions is the one who's in control. So who was really in control in that conversation? So when he landed at the airport, I saw him in the flesh for the first time, and I suddenly was much, much less angry because he looked like a very attractive man. And I saw a sparkle in his eyes, and I went bright red. So would you say that was a unique interpersonal attraction that that transcended uh, racial similarities, or do you think that was merely a kind of a a local um, racial isomorphism between you both, a kind of genetic attraction? It was beyond race. It was more of a spiritual connection between us. So so you, you opened the idea that if you had been born in Do Kwan's position in his family, you probably would have done similar things to him. And in your position, if Do Kwan had been born, he probably would have founded Binance and made it at least twice as popular. I think that's correct. I think that's correct. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about exactly uh, what you discussed. Um, so far, you've only talked about the, the, the personal attraction, the emotions, but I'd like to know a little bit about the, the verbal content of your exchange. What did you actually talk about? Like, w- were you angry at him? Did that anger fade away quickly? What was the discussion? Did you make a deal for the future? Um, maybe um, to be the people who refund and recollateralize USTC? So when he landed, we went and I knew I wanted to have a nice day with him and I did not want to argue with him. So we went for a coffee and we sat and we just talked for maybe two hours about life and about how we feel about the world and what our ambitions are. And we forgot about UST completely. We had forgotten about UST for the entire uh, afternoon. And then in the evening, we remember because our phones were, were buzzing. That is red candle, red candle, fuck, 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 fuck. That's hundreds mm. of message. So we we uh, we spoke and we said, well, UST, I, I don't know. I didn't know what that was. Honestly, I did not know. So I said, well, I'm going to sell it. And he said, 
whatever you want. Yeah, that's really good to hear. It actually reminds me of something um, a mentor of mine said. He said that you can build good businesses from a foundation of friendship. But if you are to meet someone through business, you cannot build a friendship through business, right? So it sounds like with you and Do Kwon, maybe you started with the friendship. Yeah, it was a good friendship, and now it's more. So, uh, sorry, did you say it was more than friendship now? Yes. He's in the room with me now. We are happily married, secret marriage in Singapore. Right. CZ, let me be the first to extend my congratulations to this wondrous marriage. Thank you, C5. Thank you. He always spoke highly of you as his intern. Right. This is quite a surprising revelation. But yeah, congratulations for that. Um, okay, so so you were with uh, Do Kwon spending probably more time than any of us anticipated and a lot more uh, pleasurable and, and social time and romantic time than we anticipated. Um, so is it fair to say that you were with Do Kwon throughout the entire death spiral and beyond, um, maybe consuming quite a lot of his time with uh, romantic uh, activities? It's fair to say that he could have defended the peg a bit better if I was not with him the entire time. I was holding his hand as he went to zero, and we watched on the chart. He went straight to zero. He was romantic, and that's when we fell in love. So you think there's a certain beauty and a certain maybe potency in disaster that creates the kind of uh, emotional cataclysm that can be reformed into love? Yes, it was our flashpoint. You know, you remember where you were when the Twin Towers fell. In the same way, I remember where I was. I was with Doe, and we were holding hand, and we were watching USD go to zero. Hmm. Uh, that's fascinating, because I think all of us have seen that on a lower level in uh, romantic comedies, um, in films. We see the way that tension and fighting and, and boy hates girl and all that stuff eventually just flips inside out. It flips on its head and turns into the most beautiful love stories. So that's good. I... I in fact, in a way, it's given me a lot of personal healing, right? Because I have grief from the death spiral. I have a sense of grief of all the people who lost all of their net worths during the death spiral. But hearing that maybe that wasn't the full story, that love came out of it for, for billionaires who happened to unite at that particular time, that makes me feel quite warm and quite cozy in the sense that, you know, it, it wasn't just a disaster. There's a rebirth and a love in every tragedy. Next question, please. Oh, sorry. Um, so what do you think about Terra 2? I'm guessing you were quite involved in the plan to revive the chain, in the plan to create the new chain with all of the, the positive features of the old one, except USC, of course, uh, the wallets, the user base, the community, um, the existing builders, the idea that we could transfer a lot of the old uh, dApps onto the new chain. So um, what did you think about the creation of Terra 2? Were you happy about that? Did you have a level of involvement about that? Um, how did you guide it sexually? Well, we came up, me and Doi came up with the idea when we were having a trip in uh, one of our spirit walk trips in a tent. He said, why don't we just do it again? Except this time, we will not have a stable coin. And I said, will that give me some shit coins to put on Binance? He said, maybe. I said, that's great. So your main interest in pushing for the new chain was to get volume on Binance as soon as possible. Is that correct? 
Everything I do is to get more volume on Binance. 100%. Everything I do is to get more volume and more opportunities to uh, market make and to, to make a profit. Mm-hmm. So, so this central fixation, the central goal of profit is one way in which you and Doquan are quite united, right? And almost the same person. Yeah, we are. Uh, we really on over that uh, element of uh, making money. We we both love it, and we have uh, lots of sex on top of a big pile of money over time. That that's uh, really good to hear. It, it almost sounds like the the parable of the the princess and the pea, except with money. Yes, and he also bring his uh, his gimp, his slave gimp. He's called uh, Capricious Sage. He bring him into the room on a leash, and uh, he is doing all kinds of things. You know, cleaning up. Uh, making sure we have all the pills, all of the chemicals, all of the fumes that we need to have a, a good uh, session mm-hmm. on top of the uh, on top of the pile of money. And just just to clarify, yeah. you're talking about nitrous oxide there, or are you talking about uh, more sophisticated fumes developed by drug design? Uh, we take popper. Yeah, nitrous oxide is is one of our favorite. You know, it helped relax the uh, the sphincter and to put more things up inside and. Uh, we like uh, lots of other chemical. I like to take LSD. Sometimes it's uh, it can enhance the experience visually. Mm-hmm. And I also like MDMA because it makes you very happy and we feel connected. Great, great. Um, okay, so um, there's been the creation of the new chain, and obviously about seventy different decentralized apps are being built on it now. After the allocation of the builder fund uh, happening a few months ago, but what do you think about Lunk? Luna Classic, the old chain, the chain uh, that was seen as broken, seen as dead, but that many people now, including Lunkdown, myself, and including Terror Rebels and many other people, uh, were trying to repair. What's your, what's your thoughts on the old chain? Do you think it still has a future? Um, are you involved with it? Are you still trying to get restitution for your own investment through it? What, what are your current thoughts about Lunk? Uh, I think it's a very good way to build a community. Um, and to burn a coin as well to make the price go up. That's what I think about Lunk. Okay. Um, and have you have you personally heard about uh, Lunk Dow and the activities they're doing? Um, do you have any kind of personal association? Have you contacted them? Do you have any awareness of them? Have you been told about them by your team? Yes, I am a big fan of Lunk Dow. I think he is a top tier organization. It's all doing a lot behind the scenes. A lot of you do not know what they're doing behind the scenes, but it's a lot. And I'm really impressed with what I've seen and how the organization is run uh, by the mouse man, Asparagoid. And he is, uh, although he is a very small person with a small height and receding hairline, he is very good at his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate that, Susie. And I, I thank you for not revealing too much because obviously our priority here at Lungdao is to over-deliver and under-promise, right? So we like to we like to not say anything at all. We like to be silly. In fact, um, another question for you is: is which which community do you see now as being more powerful based on Twitter activities? Do you think the Luna community, uh, essentially the old OGs of the community, are more powerful, or do you see the new retail investors, uh, the Lunk investors, as more powerful? Who do you think would win in a fight? Well, it's clear. It's very clear to me that. Even just the uh, Lunk supporter from Turkey, just Turkey, would easily win against all of the Luna 2 supporter just by themselves. Then you add the rest from India, 
from Africa, from South America, is too much. What particular traits of Turkish people do you think makes them uniquely powerful to defeat the old lunar investors? Uh, do you think there is something to do with the bone structure, the muscularity, maybe the early life experiences that makes them particularly uh, potent warriors to defeat the old lunar investors? They are real men and they know what real men need to do, which is to work and to eat. And they know exactly how to fight. The Turkish man is much more powerful than any kind of man who comes from Western Europe. That's a fact. Sizi, uh, uh, maybe you can uh, comment on the, the reports that you take large quantities of uh, uh, U.S. dollar cash and, uh, you know, take wads of this, dip it in epoxy, create very hard blocks of this, and then use it to, like, build houses uh, for yourself on, you know, really expensive islands. Um, it, is this true? Is this what's really happening? It was, it's been blown out of proportion a little bit. It's a new composite material made out of, of uh, cash and concrete. We put cash uh, around $500,000 into a single block, and that reinforces the concrete to make it much stronger and more durable. So the house will stand for approximately five to 10 long, uh, more years. So there was an experiment. We built five houses uh, on one island and 10 houses on the second, and they're still standing today. Mm. So, so what I think, just to paraphrase, uh, CZ is talking about the diminishing uh, returns to well-being of being a billionaire, right? So you get to one billion, two billion. There's really not much more you can do. Okay, you can buy more houses, you can buy more yachts, but you've already got a yacht. Why do you want another yacht? I think uh, one of the biggest purchases you can make is maybe uh, your own island, something like Necker Island, belonging to Richard Branson, or maybe a mega yacht. But even those are only about half a billion dollars. It gets to a point where you have so much money that additional spends just don't matter. So what CZ is pointing out here is the fact that, that money itself, uh, when compacted, when covered in poxy, can be turned into building materials uh, with unique benefits. That is correct. And if you print enough money, it becomes worthless. And now the paper has to be repurposed for other things. And the material cost of the paper is more than the dollar cost, the dollar value of the paper itself. Mm -hmm. So I, I think anyone who understands game theory will understand what you just said. And the rest of you can maybe listen back and, and search Wikipedia. So um, my other question to take things back to the Lunk blockchain is, is will Binance be building on Lunk? Because obviously there's quite a, a strong incentive there, right? Uh, Binance were one of the early investors, at least Binance Labs was one of the early investors in Lunk. Um, who were hoping for large gains. So you still have quite a large share. And you also still have the Binance validator node, uh, which has earned about, I think, at least 25% APR per day compounded for the last three months or so. So it's fair to say now that you own probably about at least 30, 40% of the chain. So you're highly incentivized to recreate the value in it, right? Um, so have you thought about building on Lunk? And have you thought about specific apps you would build? So and the first point I would like to say here is all of the people who have a brain were staking Luna on the last day possible and the last moment possible in order to get that APY. It's very clear. And now we own the network and we're not going to let you take it from us. So that's the first thing. Uh, 
The second is, yes, we will build. We will build on uh, Luna 2. And we have an app we are going to uh, reveal very soon. It's a way to uh, to couch surf in the Middle East. And we're going to make sure it's tokenized and people can move from freely from house to house and they can couch surf. And this way, it's, uh, it's bringing blockchain to people who need it the most. Okay, so to paraphrase what you just said, you said that you deliberately staked immediately prior to the hold to buy Luna as cheap as possible with the maximum upside in order to uh, get um, to be one of the few people who returned the massive APYs of, of staking when everyone else was locked out. And your plan for that is to maybe conduct a two-thirds attack, uh, more than a 51% attack, obviously, because you got far more than 51%. It's to conduct a two-thirds attack or a three-thirds attack in the upcoming years as you gain more and more. Um, and you're planning to abandon Lunk personally, other than this attack, and you're planning to build on the Luna blockchain. Is that correct? Uh, that is a simplification of, of the true story, but yeah, that is, that is basically true. Right. So uh, let's. Uh, how exactly are you going to conduct this attack, this, this two-thirds or this three-thirds attack? When you have 99.9% .9 of the tokens on-chain, and the remainder are on centralized exchanges like your own exchange. How are you going to conduct this attack? Well, is it a dusting attack? Is it a 51% attack? How are you going to conduct it? It's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance that everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are. We know where they live. And we're going to their house with a wrench, a big wrench. And we will attack them with the wrench. And then we will take their validator node physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right. So this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk. Uh, in order to take over the chain. Is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava, and they have wrench, and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. Right. And, and would you say that um, most validators are run by uh, skinny pussy boys, and the fact that they're run by skinny pussy boys helps uh, you to conduct this operation. Yes, uh, that is definitely true. They're usually stones. They are usually very fat, and they're usually uh, in the shower with you know with trying to wash uh, their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop, don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Uh, is there any reason you... Okay, so two questions here. First question is, is there any reason you use the wrench rather than something uh, a little bit more subtle like anthrax? And second question, what's the reason you, you drive it to China rather than using uh, FedEx economy international airmail? Well, we don't trust FedEx to take the 
that validator because they want it for themselves. You didn't know this before, but FedEx has a lot of uh, validators that they have stolen in the post, and we don't want them. <laughs> we don't want them to steal more validators in the post. Uh, the second thing is the wrench, and we think it's just funny. It's the funniest way to uh, hit someone is with a frying pan or a, <laughs> a wrench. Mm -hmm. So um, the consideration here is that you're you're so rich and so powerful that you can kill people in a hundred ways. So you might as well choose the funniest way to do it. Um, okay, so that's interesting. Um, and could you talk a little bit more about this, just to go back to rewind a little bit to your, um, you talked a little bit about developing the killer app for Luna 2, which was a couch surfing app um, for the Middle East. Could you talk about why you've chosen the Middle East um, as your target market and how you came up with this, this product market fit? And maybe, um, when you're conducting the ICO for this? So we, uh, analysts realized that there's a shortage of living rooms and bedrooms in the Middle East versus the number of people. So we analyzed this and realized that we could turn this market of couches and sleeping on the couch into a efficient market using the blockchain. So we take, we become the Airbnb of couch surfing on the blockchain. I hope that's simple. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I'm sure we'll hear from some some Arabic people later. Um, okay, so that, that's fascinating. So you have a vision for Lunk, which is to take it over, to hack it, to destroy it, maybe to get some kind of retribution on everyone who wronged you. Um, obviously not Dokuan because you're in love with him. And then your vision for, for Luna 2 is to build your, your killer dap, uh, the Middle Eastern couch surfing dap. So uh, why don't we take a little bit of a, a change of, of turn here and and go a little bit more into your personal life because i think you are certainly a unique person right you're a person who has come out of relative poverty and uh an international childhood and despite all of that struggle and that initial setbacks and working in mcdonald's and kfc you've managed to become one of the richest men on the planet and i think that's pretty amazing right um so i think many of us here are, are trying to make it we may be poor people, middle-class people right now. And we have this vision of becoming millionaires through crypto, maybe through NFTs, maybe through founding different projects, maybe through building on Luna 2 or Lunk. Um, so why don't we just dig a little bit onto you? Um, as a productive person, as a founder of a multi-billion dollar company, um, what is your daily routine? What is your daily ritual? How much uh, do you exercise? How much do you work? Could you talk a little bit about what your average daily day is? So the most important thing in your day is to not use your phone for the first two hours of the day, the second two hours of the day, and the final two hours of the day. And this way, you are going to stay healthy and away from bad radiation. So the other thing to remember is that exercise is good for your brain, and so is coffee. So I go to Starbucks every morning at 10 o'clock. I have an ice cold cappuccino. Hey, listen, CZ, I hate to be that guy, but um, what about these allegations in the media right now that uh, you're building uh, quantum computing networks to obfuscate um, your various like uh, prostitution uh, holdings and activities. Uh, it, maybe you can break a little bit of information about that here with this group no. today. No, 
we have always, always been extremely clear that our prostitution investments are above board and anyone can see them on the blockchain. There is no hiding or obfuscation of our investments into prostitution, infrastructure, prostitution, wealth, well-being, well-being, and prostitutes themselves. So I want to make that very clear. Okay, uh, let's maybe to a, a little warning for people who are going to come up and ask him questions later on. Please don't be too pushy, right? Um, CZ, I think it's fair to say, Charlie, as a person, you're you're quite. Um, you're a little bit jumpy, right? You could easily leave this. Oh, 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 what? Oh, sorry, please continue. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, I want to continue with this this daily routine. Um, my main curiosity. So let, let's let's talk here from the perspective of an average person listening to this space. So um, most of us are relatively broke. Most of us don't have jobs. Most of us, I would say, are virgins, fairly ugly. If we weren't ugly and broke, uh, then likely we'd be doing something else. Uh, what is your, your personal advice to many of us here? How, how can we go about working towards making our first million dollars? I think the easiest way is to trade on Binance. Put all your money on Binance, come and trade, and see what you, what you can do and if you can get lucky. The second thing you can do is get lucky just generally you can find one million dollars in the street and that is is as likely as you'll make a million dollars with your harebrained schemes or whatever you're trying to do so don't be an entrepreneur it's a waste of time just come to binance and bet on some coins Hmm. um but, but isn't there a an ulterior motive there um don't you gain at least 0.1 percent fees from every single trade uh, there is maybe, I guess, a little bit of an ulterior motive here with that's me saying this. However, I would encourage you to click my affiliate link and it will give you more information. Right. Okay. So, so uh, thank you for that. Um, that's informative. Um, so maybe let's, let's rewind a little bit. You talked about this earlier, you touched on this earlier with the, the relationship with Doquan, but could you, could you maybe talk a little bit about your uh, your love life, not necessarily now, but in the past. Um, what is your love life like? Um, what is your your sexuality? Um, how did you discover and uncover your sexuality? And and maybe uh, you could also talk about how that influenced your choice to found Binance. I was always unlucky in love. All the way through my life, I was unlucky. I would go into a relationship and then it would end just like that. They would cheat on me. They would leave me. And that's what made me resent people and really want to hurt them and really want to market make maliciously. And that's what inspired me really in the creation of Binance. But my first real love was probably a man who looked a lot like Doe, his brother. He ran Chai. You may have heard of it. We yeah, had a thing that, and it was... Is that Bo Kwan? That's Bo Kwan. <laughs> Bo Kwan was my first real love. And we met at Starbucks. Excuse me. I, I, I can't talk about this. No, I, I know you're a little bit upset. So to introduce Bo Kwan to, to many of you, Bo Kwan is, is Do Kwan's brother. And he is slightly bigger in all ways. So his, his height is around 
one inch bigger. His penis is around one inch uh, larger in girth and length. And his IQ is around 10% uh, higher. Bo Kwan was, was really the, the golden child, the one who was loved more than anything and, and much more than Do Kwan by his parents. He was the first child. He was the, 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 the child which they put all of their hopes in. And I think it's fair to say you can maybe correct this, Charlie, because you've spent a lot of time with Do Kwan. Do Kwan always had a resentment for Bo Kwan. Do Kwan always thought, you know, why is Bo Kwan getting so much attention from our parents? Do Kwan always thought, you know, why, why, why? Surely we're both the, the sons of our parents. Surely we both have the same potential. Why is are our parents focusing so much on Bo Kwan? So he was upset. He was resentful. He was frustrated. He was angry. Not angry in an adult intellectual way, but angry as a child who feels unloved. And that's really the reason he started Luna. And that's really the reason that, that the death spiral happened too. Is that correct, Charlie? That's correct. So uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about what having sex with, with Bo Kwan was like compared to Do Kwan, since you've slept with both of them. Well, Bo Kwan was a more girthy, a longer penis, uh, a more passionate lover. In every single department, he was better. And that's the truth. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's true. And I have to be honest when it comes to love. The second thing is, I did not require pharmaceuticals to have sex with Bo Kwan, whereas I have to have a lot of pharmaceuticals to have sex with Do Kwan. That's the other thing. It's really telling. Hmm. Um, I remember when you, we had a little bit of a conversation before you started this call. And when you talked about Bo Kwan, you, you considered yourself, you described yourself as a power bottom. And then uh, when you described your relationship with Do Kwan, you described yourself as a top. Uh, maybe you could talk about the emotional component of that. Like what led to your choice to be a power bottom or a top in those different situations? Well, my preference is always to be power bottom. That's where I was spend my time and that's where I, I have the most uh, enjoyment. Being a top is not something that comes natural to me, but it's something that I have to do because uh, I am the one taking the initiative. I'm always the one who in mm -hmm. initiates. So that's what I have to do uh, in this relationship. It's very sad, um, but we did, you, we you did have a, a... You feel it's a burden that you have to, you have to rise to because he isn't capable of being a top himself. Is that correct? Uh, 100%. Ever since UST imploded, he has not been able to get an erection. It's very sad. Hmm. Oh, so, so it's, it's mainly due to the malfunctioning of, of his genitals, uh, rather than maybe the innate dominance of his personality compared to Bo Kwan. That's correct. He's impotent. That's the, the main problem. Hmm. Um, okay, so let, let's let's uh, trace this thread back through uh, currently Do Kwan and, and in the past, Bo Kwan. Was, was Bo Kwan your first gay experience or did you have gay experiences before that, um, maybe with other founders? Uh, I went to a gay swinging party in, uh, in San Francisco and I met a lot of very important people like Mark Zuckerberg was there and Jeff Bezos was there as well. And also the founder of Y Combinator. You know who he is. I won't name names. Paul Graham. I'll, I'll name him myself because I have a problem with him. Oh, what is your problem with Paul Graham? I found him to give very good fellatio. Uh, you have to understand that I'm not a gay man like you. So um, the, the, the criteria which I rank him 
um, intellectual, his essays, his work with prior uh, Y Combinator founders, um, his, his cut of the equity, which is very unreasonable compared to now, um, what's normal in the blockchain. I, I think he's a, a scummy guy. And I think for me, as a, as a heterosexual man, no amount of fellatio would overcome that, right? I can see, listen, I can see from your perspective, CZ, that having your dick sucked um, every now and then and, and, and the taste of the smegma and all of that stuff would, would help you a lot in seeing Paul Graham as a good man. But for me, I, I have to analyze on pure intellectual and financial criteria. And that's just down to my sexuality. So I understand, but I respectfully disagree. Well, I actually gave away 20% of finance for one blowjob. And that was a mistake. And it won't happen again. And I apologize to everyone who holds BNB, but they have been selling relentlessly for the last two years. And it's all my fault. One huh. blowjob. So, so is, is the, the selling of 20% of Binance, uh, the equity for a blowjob by Paul Graham, is that the reason that Paul Graham stepped down and maybe handed over to Sam Altman a few years back? Uh, he, so is that the reason that Paul Graham has maybe moved to the UK? In the countryside and has has more or less explored and lived quite a bohemian lifestyle and handed over really the, the grindy doggish work to sam altman uh i don't want to speculate and i don't want to say something that might get me in trouble so i can't comment on that okay um so all right all right so so we've we've dug as as deep as we can dig here um maybe you can talk more generally so for people who are trying to make it, who are maybe founding their own cryptocurrency, their own projects, um, doing different things in crypto, in Web3 decentralized economies, do you have any productivity tips for them? Um, how do you manage to focus, given that so many people are screaming your name on Twitter, thousands and thousands of people per minute are tagging you saying, CZ, do this, CZ, do that. You have probably upwards of a thousand coins listed on Binance. There must be an enormous quantity of task switches, right? Unless, of course, you've delegated that to a lot of other people. Uh, how, how do you well, maintain productivity and how do you, how do you task switch so well? Uh, the best way I can explain is I don't read my phone. I don't read my message. And that means I don't have to do anything. That's the secret. The secret to Binance is we don't read your shit. And I go to Starbucks. I go to the car wash. I come home. Maybe I'll check one or two messages from my better close friend. Uh, and then maybe someone ping me like red candle, red candle. And then I just go fuck, flick the table and then I get into my office. But I rarely go into my office. I'm mostly in my pajamas, in Starbucks or maybe in another coffee shop. Hmm. That's interesting because um, many of the founders we've, we've interviewed so far of major centralized exchanges, and major decentralized exchanges have said that they do almost nothing. There seems to be this, this common thread, uh, this, this golden silk thread of people who found multi-billion dollar companies tend to delegate the entirety of their work. And those who do less successfully, those who are maybe in the range of, of maybe uh, 100 million to 1 billion, they tend to be people who uh, micromanage and do things themselves. So it's really the ability to let go, to relax, to have fun, to live, uh, laugh, and love that underlies the ability to gain a multi-billion dollar company. That is actually my tattoo I have on my back is live, laugh, love. And I think that's very true and important and profound. Hmm. 
that's um that's interesting i think a lot of us here although we we might say that it's obvious we might say that it's like a a cliche statement we've seen in the bedroom of our friends you know stupid girls we know on their walls i think uh, we can recognize it but recognizing it doesn't mean that we apply it to our own lives right wait hang on wait you you've seen you've seen this before where have you seen where have you seen these words uh, live laugh and love is is kind of a common uh statement that is written on uh pre-framed fabric uh things that are that are bought and put onto the walls of students it's uh, I, i don't know whether you're the one who maybe originated this i don't know whether you've been uh, subliminally no no i, I got this tattoo last year fuck 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 i i no i i think i think just like the way that the the core the origin the seed of all the world religions from islam to christianity to buddhism uh, seem to converge on on a a primary and and central core right of mysticism of direct communion to god no matter where you look in the world from the buddha um to maybe uh sufism to rumi to all of these people to to mystic uh catholic christianity maybe teresa de avila and and john of the cross i think there's there's a common thread here right there's a common thread where all religions unite beyond dogma right so i think it's maybe the same here maybe you've looked inside yourself and you've lived enough and you're a mature enough soul to consider that live laugh and love is maybe one of the central principles uh that unites all of humanity well it is true but now i know it's not original i need to get this removed so if anyone is a tattoo removal artist i will give you 2% of binance if you can remove this completely with no trace my dms are open okay so um cz is going to post a i think an affiliate link after and you can post your portfolio and credentials and your res- your resume um so uh, cz i always do this with with all of our guests here at lunk now um i'm curious to to dig into the person and their kind of uh, i guess it call, you call it like the personal existential philosophy of the person so um what do you think the meaning of life is obviously life is a responsibility that none of us ask for we're born here and we have to decide how to use our time right we have to decide what we do with this this precious human life this limited duration and we live our lives knowing that at any second our life could be taken away at any second our heartbeat our very next heartbeat could be our last one so so what do you see uh, as the meaning of life what do you see as the the most purposeful thing to do with your own life i think that is the reduction of suffering is reducing suffering in other people that is the best thing you can do with your time and the way you do this is to go to binance and open an account and make money and then donate that to charity that is the meaning of life uh are you saying it's the direct um donation of money which is the main thing or are you saying it's the way that supporting cryptocurrency in general uh aids and helps and underlies financial sovereignty which underlies personal sovereignty it's a bit of both but also is to trade on finance i would recommend i would recommend that above everything else mm-hmm. no i i think this is quite inspiring i think that uh what cz is pointing to is not just 
advice of what you should do, but it, it's the message of his own life. His life is his message here, really. Um, I, I think he's saying that if you have a belief, then you must live that belief, right? And, and to not live that belief, to be out of congruence in some fundamental way, uh, to be out of alignment with your thoughts and your words is, is, is almost a sin. So CZ had this vision that the best thing for humanity would be for them to trade, to create volume on Binance. And he lived that reality. He made it into a real thing. He brought it into being. He created his centralized exchange. Um, so he's aligned his actions and his words and his thoughts completely, right? And in that regard, he is a, a noble man. Although he can't fight, although he's not an MMA fighter, although he's no Mike Tyson, although he's no John Jones, although he's nothing like that, although he's no uh, mythical hero, no Achilles, no Indiana Jones, nothing like that at all. Although he's none of that, he is a person who aligned his actions, his thoughts, and her words. And I think that is what allows him to maybe be at rest when he drinks his Starbucks, when he cruises up to the car wash, when he sits in the car work and does nothing, when he delegates all of his tasks. He can do that. He can be at rest. He can be at inner peace because he is a person who is living fully in alignment. That's true. There's, there's one more question, uh, Charlie. The okay. question is, question is um, and this is one I also ask everyone, it is, what do you think happens when we die? We're here, we descend in these mortal bodies, right? We're aging all the time. You know, our bodies fall apart gradually. We look in the mirror, there's another wrinkle. There's another hair falling out. I've lost the majority of my hair. Right? I've, I've, I've receded from maybe a Norwood 2 to a Norwood 7 in the last few months due to the death spiral, due to the stress, the psychosomatic symptoms. Um, it, it's clear that all of us here are heading towards death, right? There's, there's no denying it, I don't think. There's no denying that um, at least within our own lifespan, it's going to be exceedingly difficult to remain alive forever. I, I think that there are various um, life extension technologies. There's obviously drugs like uh, resveratrol and NMN and uh, various other things, metformin maybe. Um, but these are quite crude drugs, right? They're, they're almost accidents from, from drug science on the last uh, 20, 30 years. Um, they're crude theories. And to take them is, is obviously risky in many ways and is unstudies in many ways. So there's not much chance to live forever, I don't think, at least for most of us, except maybe the, the, the smartest and most heavily funded scientists here. Most of us will certainly die. So what do you think will happen when we die? What, what, is, what is death like? Well, I am a believer. You'll be aware of this already, Langdao, but for everyone else here, I'm a believer that there are infinite universes and you exist an infinite number of times in every possible scenario all the time. You are dying every microsecond, but you are also living every microsecond as well. So I'm a believer in quantum immortality. You are alive in the universe where you have not yet died. And that's why I tested that theory by loading a revolver with five bullets out of six and I mm. pulled the trigger and I did not die and I did it once and so, then I removed the bullet I did it again and then I removed the bullet and I did it again and I did not die 
Mm -hmm. So, so what he's talking about here is is a contrast to the Copenhagen interpretation, right? He's talking about the the many worlds interpretation, or some of the the subset theories of, of string theory, where um, it's an interpretation of quantum physics that insert, asserts that um, the wave function is objectively real, but no wave function individually collapses except in the subjective experience of the particular variant. The, the particular um, reality frame of the subjective experience of that particular wave frame, right? So um, this implies that all possible outcomes of all quantum uh, physics measurements, all waveforms, all probabilistic waves collapse into a very real world that is lived out by one being. And you cannot die in the universe where you still are alive. Exactly. So even if you load a gun, a shotgun maybe with thousands of bullets, so long as it has one chamber, uh, one one bullet hole that does not have a bullet, then you can still live, and and that will be your continued subjective experience of life, the the life stream that carries on forever. So um, the advice here is, if you're going to commit suicide, if if you want to experiment, maybe, uh, then always leave one bullet out of the chamber. This message is endorsed by Binance, one hundred percent. Great, um, uh, Charlie. Would you mind staying for a little bit while we ask uh, a couple audience questions? Goran and, and okay. Goka have been asking. Let, come up. No Goran. problem. No problem. So I'm allowing Goran to speak now. Please be aware that the Binance uh, Charlie has. A low Hello, everyone. Oh, hey, hey, go ahead. Want, ask your question. I wanted to know the question. Can you ask your question in English, please? Next question, please. So, I've allowed General Shill up to the stage. General Shill, do you have a question for CZ? Go ahead. Uh, do you have any uh, plans to start a family, or how do you feel about people who uh, who do that, and how does that relate to your multiverse? Well, I think that's perfectly fine. If you want to start a family. I have some Binance merchandise which fits all ages, and they can have that as a freebie on me. Outstanding. Uh, how much? Uh, how much Luna Classic should I buy? I cannot give financial advice, but you should buy whatever you feel comfortable with, and that you want to leave for your children for them to prosper in an infinite lifespan where they cannot die because of multiverse theory. Okay. Uh, thank you, General. Now let's hear from from Gok uh, Gokhan Demirel. Go ahead, Gokhan. It's it's really mind boggling to me how people are given the opportunity to speak to a world class founder, a billionaire like Charlie Zhao, and they squander the opportunity. It's it's almost like some people are just somehow I don't know. It's like they're destined to stay poor. So let's remove him. And yeah, go ahead, uh, Ukraine. Hi guys, I got two questions. If that's possible, go ahead. Make them make them brief. Uh, you miss him, uh, CZ. You miss Doquan. In my heart, I know he's not the right man for me. So, although I miss him, I know that I must get through this pain before I can move on to better men like Doquan, his brother. Okay, that's just so romantic. Uh, really, uh, my next question is. Uh, uh, why can't you do on Binance uh, put Lunic on the convert? 
Could you ask that question in English? Let me, let me, let me paraphrase. Uh, he, he asked CZ, why can't you, as a man, as a, as a real man who takes responsibility for his actions, put, put Lunk on the convert? Thank you, Bruce. Lunk on the convert does not make any sense to me. I don't understand what that means. I've so never heard of Lunk before. You're deflecting the question. Just answer it directly, please. <laughs> I can't do it because I don't want to do it because I actually think that's a bad idea. That's okay. Just say that next time. Is uh, it possible for one question. more question? All right. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm really thankful for Binance uh, because when buying a Lunic, uh, you can sell them very much better on different exchanges. Thank you. That's, that's a compliment, but I will accept it. Okay. Thank you guys for all the so uh, I've, I've removed him from speakers. If anyone has maybe one last question for CZ, then, then please request to speak. This is, please appreciate, it, it's, not, it's not common in life that you have an opportunity to speak to a multi-billionaire in this industry, which we're so embedded in. So please, uh, I, I'd, I'd advise you not to be such a little pussy and to come up to the stage and actually ask a question. Be a real man for once in your fucking life, right? You live pathetic lives on average, right? Uh, you, 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 you get up, you get on your computer, you look at your favorite coin, you get on Twitter, you know, maybe once in a fucking while you, you get a, you go to do some exercise, you go to the gym, you do go to do some bicep curls, but who gives a fuck about that? Right. If you're a pussy, nobody cares about your fucking biceps being an inch bigger. Right. Yeah. No one care. No one care. I don't no, care. Nobody, about nobody gives a fuck. But, but, but here you're talking about conversation with a real fucking billionaire. So please take advantage of it. Do not fuck up this opportunity. In fact, whether you ask a question or not is a diagnosis of whether you'll become a millionaire. Right, so I go ahead, John. I'm just ask, gonna- like, Ask me a real fucking question for once, you fucking pussies, okay? Give me a real fucking challenge, because right now, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at you, you're, you're just shit questions. Shit. Uh, I have a question. Uh, who's speaking now? Hi, my name is Franco. Uh, this is, I have a question if I may. Okay. Uh, this is regarding the, uh, Luna Classic, the devs, the Terra Rebels, and their plan to bring down the total supply with their 1.2 tax, the burn tax, down to about 12 billion or 10 billion. Um, that's an awesome goal, but, uh, how can we achieve that? Or how can that be achieved rather if there's a wallet that holds about two point uh seven trillion and people say that uh, without confirmation people are saying that wallet is uh binance wallet is that mm -hmm. is that true and how could we um get to that goal of 10 billion with that wallet? Do, do you need okay. a translation? you need a translation here uh no, Charlie? I, i've got i've got this one okay. okay imagine that you have a big lake and then next the lake you have a big reservoir full of water, okay? The burn tax is like saying, we're gonna run this water from the lake through a little windmill, and it's gonna take a little bit of water every time and put it into the desert, and the lake will drain. Then suddenly, I'm at Binance behind the dam wall, and I say, okay, great. Here's some more water, you idiots. And I give you more water, and I fill your lake up again. I think that's the analogy for you. I, I thank you, and I appreciate that. Um, so, is it safe to say then that 
uh, it is in the best interest of all uh, Luna Classic holders. Uh, that because a lot of the community doesn't know what the plans or intentions are, but we do know that that we've been steady. Uh, uh, Luna Classic hasn't you know shot up or gone down mainly because of uh, of this big wallet that that's on Binance. So I really appreciate that answer. I think uh, we're all engaged in this as a community, and we're hoping for the best. Thank you. Thank you, Franco. Uh, go ahead. Uh... Silas, if you're here. Um, thank you for this opportunity, CZ. I, I want to ask a question, and um, sorry, I didn't join um, the conversation earlier on, so maybe... Um, um, uh, one, one, one request is that when you're asking your question, you'd be brief, no long explanations, right. because obviously it's right. quite a busy All right, Please, I want to know, um, CZ, please, what are your plans towards, um, your overall plan towards this um, Luna 1.2 tax bond? Uh, okay, so the Luna 1.2 tax is just a governance proposal. I have nothing to do with it. I cannot code. I do not do anything on the blockchain. I just run a centralized exchange. That's all I do. So, uh, Silas, just, just so you know, it seems that we, we asked this question earlier. It seems like uh, people in the departments that he delegates to control this decision and CZ himself is, is somewhat removed, somewhat aloof. He's not entirely connected to the activities of the exchange. He just funds it as a silent investor. Okay, okay, okay. Now I get it. Um, I want to believe that he's going to be fully part of the bond task from what he has said so far. CZ, you're going you're gonna to be uh, supporting the burn of uh, Lunk? Yes. All right. That's I've answered my question. Thank you very much. Great, thank you, Cyrus. So uh, go ahead, uh, Saint Kings two four seven. Again, I'm just mystified. You have this one opportunity to talk to a person with a net worth of maybe fifty billion dollars, and you squander it. I, I don't know whether it's fear or what, but if it's fear, you need to surely get over yourself. Stop being such a little pussy. Guys, I need to go to Starbucks. Uh, I'm getting tired and cranky, and I need my Starbucks to wake me up. And I'll maybe come back another time and we can run this back again with what, what, some real questions for one, once. One question, uh, Charlie. Yeah. What would you say to the pussies who ask to speak and yet are too afraid to do it when their time comes? <laughs> um, I would say that if I saw you in the street and you collapsed and hit your head on a bollard and I knew that you were the person asking these shit questions or no questions, I would keep walking. I wouldn't even look at you. I would just disregard you as a person. Mm -hmm. I, I think that having heard this conversation, having seen how people behaved, I'd agree with you, right? I think a man without courage isn't a man at all. I think a man without courage is a pussy, a vermin, a cockroach, an insect who should be stamped on and squished, right? So I'd like to thank you, CZ, for, for being here, for answering our questions, for going into depth. I think it's given us a lot of hope for both the, the lung blockchain and the Luna blockchain. We know you're a busy man, so we thank you very much. And uh, and and I guess we, we we send a lot of love for you. And we we say, you know, um, we hope the current relationship turmoil with Doquan works out. And and we wish you the best. Okay, thank you. Uh, it's good to come on an unrecorded uh, unrecorded Twitter space sometimes just to express myself freely. 
because uh, normally they're recorded and that's really embarrassing for me later. So thank you. CZ, thank you. I have one last question. Sorry to interrupt. Long Dow, is it cool? It's entirely cool. CZ here. Hey, CZ, what, what's your uh, opinion on all the FUD coming out of China? Is it true that they took your BNB coins from your basement? They came to my house and they tried their best to get in, but they couldn't because I'd set a lot of traps for them, including Home Alone style hot doorknobs, uh, marbles on the stairs. And I also created a DIY flamethrower, which fired up in their faces and turned them charcoal black like Looney Tunes. So they could not get to my BNB in my basement. So he's talking here about his ledger, of course. Um, I, I'm going to call an end to this now because although we maybe could uh, force and manipulate CZ to ask more questions, we don't want to ruin him. We don't want to uh, cause him stress and anger and cause him to never come back. We want this to be an ongoing series where he maybe comes back every, every few months or so. So thank you, CZ. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your journey. Thank you for uh, telling us all about what you're currently doing, the future of Lunk and Luna, and, and we, we look forward to, to talking to you again. Thank you very much, and, and thanks from everyone. Okay, God bless. God bless everyone. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Lunk Dow Interviews with Founders series, interviewing CZ from Binance with a Q&A with the 69 CEOs of Lunk Dow, hosted by Coach Bruce Wrangler. Recorded on Thursday, August 18th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Wait, what? Oh, wait, really? All right, well. For BinanceSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. 30 million? Really? Fuck me. In the darkest of times when the phoenix arises Out of the ashes like some burned up papyrus Open the sarcophagus and release the virus Got a lump in your throat like tonsillitis When the flags go up like everyone is righteous Spending government checks sniffing up the white dust The previous generation wants to be just like us Fuck that shit, I'm trying to be like Mike was Drop the bias and you might survive this The mummy coming through to remind your highness I might just buy up my own fucking island Build a little bunker then wait for the timer countdown to zero day exploiting every exploit in your internet sex toys in emitting vibrations through the ether did you just come me either at the right time blindly following stars in the night sky part of me might ride away with the prize fight man versus everything else until the time's right unleash the kraken no wait that was crack fuck now everybody feeling all amped up fucking like bunnies to the national anthem ugly little shits eating up all our rhythm mishandling the captions who has the answer holding our attention for ransom Fed up with all the red tape and the boring template Like it matters if it's a blue or red state Charged every month and we can't even cancel Feeling distressed? Fuck it, kill the damsel Fuck yeah, spread it like 
we're on some undead shit and pass the bitch around like a meme from Reddit. In the beginning, it was suggested that the mortality rate would be 5% and the numbers are so much higher. We're not ready for the next epidemic. And so if your oxygen level falls too low and it cannot be kept up with just what we call nasal cannulas or rebreathing oxygen masks, if you can't get enough oxygen from that, then they will intubate the, the patient. Terror spaces.